Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, January 23rd edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS podcast. I'm your host, Horace, and I've got my guy, Kenny, as we take on a five-game slate to uh, follow up a pretty crazy night so far in the NBA. We had a 70-point game dropped on the Rookie of the Year. We had a 62-point game in a loss, and both of them coming from big men in this Weird. I don't even know what the heck this league is about anymore. But Kenny, how's things going on your end? How are, uh, how's the weather been on your side? Because here it's been annoying as hell. But I'm sure you've got a much nicer, uh, nicer uh, run of it in the West. Yeah, you, you know, um, I I wasn't aware that Oklahoma City was playing Philadelphia. Um, you said rookie of the year. Oh, I, I, I must have got a little confused. Ooh, but, okay. Um. When it comes to weather, you, you don't want to hear about it. You, you know, it's been a dreaded like 50, 55 with about 15 mile per hour winds here out here in California. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best to survive out here. Um, when it comes to these props, um, I actually had a good day today, even though I didn't take any of the um, hot hands in the league. Um, but, man, this is this a little slate. I really see um, a couple teams being like stranded with maybe only about seven or eight players to play because trades might be going down, man. Trades might be going down. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, we're seeing movement happen all across the league. Rumor mill is just absolutely on overdrive. So until the trade deadline hits in a couple of weeks from now, you're going to start to see a lot happening. But as I always, mean, I mean, we already saw D'Angelo Russell crying. We- <laughs> I mean, I, I know a trade hasn't happened just yet, but when a man's crying on the bench, it seems like deja vu because I want to say um he he did that in the Laker uniform before, but with uh, with a little less Nick Young this time around. <laughs> yeah, man, no celebrity girlfriends he talked about. <laughs> well, whether he uh, snitched or not, there hasn't been. Uh, a final situation put through as far as the trades are concerned, but we're going to have to see what that looks like. But as always, you want to keep yourself on top of that. Get yourself subscribed to that Sports Ethos DFS Pass where you can keep yourself up to date with not only the live injury report, access to all of our amazing content, including our DFS delivery, our props, our wager lines, a bunch of different ways to be able to get yourself engaged on a day-in, day-out basis. And best of all, you get onto our Discord where you can ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock just what is going to make all the difference. But let's uh, let's jump right into it. I mean, as you said, we've got uh, five games over here. I'm looking at a at a bunch of positions to be able to really uh, focus in on over here. So I'm just going to start with uh, talking about the point guard side of things, which is for me really the way that I'm finding this uh, this lineup working out is my point guards and my centers are the area where I'm really interested in spending up on some of these options and uh, a lot more value is coming in on the wing position here. But uh, we're starting off right at the top at uh, the point guard slot for the New York Knicks going in their own battle of New York with Jalen Brunson all the way up to 8,700. But boy, is he on an absolute heater at the moment. Now, I don't want to read too, too much at the moment into the fact that he's obviously torched Washington and, well, Toronto, the less said the better about them at the moment, but that's two straight 60-plus uh, DK point games, and altogether, four straight games of 45 or more, and for him, it's really about the offensive efficiency that we've been seeing. 
He's obviously going to get anywhere between 22 to 24 shots a game. He's shooting well over 50% in that time, including a uh, 48% mark from the uh, three-point line as well. So all of that is just in a great spot at the moment for him to be able to continue that. Now, given the fact that uh, since uh, since the trade has happened, Brunson himself has been doing really well, but now they're going to have to focus a little bit more on that guard side, given the fact that uh, we have Isaiah Hartenstein, who's been probably the kind of find of everything else that's happened for uh, for New York alongside obviously trades and, and everything else. But Brunson's really benefited from those screens and that body. So he's going to hope that uh, Precious Achua, who's likely going to get the opportunity to jump in uh, to start at center, and we'll talk a little bit about him later, you know, if he can give him those same kind of uh, screens and that separation, he can find himself in a pretty good spot to have a big night over there. Uh, as far as kind of the mid-tier side of things, which is uh, where a couple of other guys are, are jumping out to me, you already mentioned the uh, the tiers of D'Angelo Russell, but I expect that in this game, with him sitting at 6,500, and for him to have the opportunity to play without LeBron, we already know he's been ruled out for this game. You spoke about teams that are likely going to have you know, seven, eight players active. Lakers could very well be one of them, and with uh, D'Angelo Russell's name heavily featured on the trade block, I expect that you know, he's going to have the opportunity to be able to showcase that, and to his own credit, He's been shooting really well over the last uh, over the last five games at this point, averaging about 27 points in that time, shooting about 54% from the field and about the same mark from the three-point line as well. So a good opportunity for him to continue to kind of live up to uh, that hot streak that he has going. And at 6,500, I think you've got a great opportunity to be able to continue to take advantage of that. And at the uh, same price tag over there, I'm really keeping an eye out on uh, what we're looking at as far as uh, the uh, the Blazers are concerned because I do like Malcolm Brogdon for his price tag here at 6,500. Now we do know that you know with Scoot uh, kind of dealing with his injury slash his just like lack of production in general, uh, Malcolm Brogdon has had to pick up a lot of the slack on that side. And you know to their credit, they've had two good wins in there with uh, with Brooklyn and Indiana. So they may very well keep uh, running with that for a little bit until you know Shaden Sharp is fully back from his injury, which is still about a uh, about a week and a half out at this point so now those are my uh, the major point guards over there not really too too much in the uh, in the uh, uh, budget area for me here but uh, what are your thoughts on this Kenny oh man um, I'm, I'm running it a little bit different than you are for my spend ups uh, there's two routes I was thinking about going but I will start with the Denver versus Indiana game and go with Jamal Murray I really do like him in this spot, and it seems like um, he's in the process of trying to secure himself a coach's vote into the All-Star game. So you never know. Um, might give him a little bit more usage. I know in the past few games, he put up around 20-plus shots, and for some odd reason, just wasn't able to get to the line. Um, seemed like whenever he throw up 20 shots, he just can't get to the line, which is kind of interesting from star guard. Um, but in this paced-up matchup, I really do feel like he's has an upside of 55, 60 DK points and a solid floor of about 35. And on a five-game slate, that's something you could run in both cash and GPPs. If you want to go a little bit cheaper, I'm actually going to run Westbrook for 6K. Um, 
when it comes to petty revenge games, I, I really do feel like Westbrook is one of those players you love to actually have a little bit of shares on. Um, not the last OKC game, but the first OKC games the Clippers played. Um, I want to say um, Russ had oof, double-double, 15-15 um, game after like, Stephen Adams was on the floor. And going up against a depleted Laker team, I really do feel like this is going to be a situation where he can get you an upside of 25, 30 minutes. And if he's on the floor with a little pettiness while playing, um, he should <laughs> be able to put up um, 35 DraftKings points with the stats that he's able to produce. Now, going with a cheapy play, I wanted to go two different routes, but I ended up... Um, going with the other play. So if I'm not playing Jamal Murray, I'm actually going to have some interest in Reggie Jackson. So for 4-1, he could be in a spot where he grabs himself anywhere from 25 to 30 minutes in this matchup. And if a lot of starters are out, I do feel like offense need to come from somewhere. And when it comes to different bitch production, you never really know where it's going to come from, but if I'm taking a shot on a GPP for 4-1 on a five-game slate, I do feel like Reggie Jackson is a player who could get you 20 actual points along with a couple of three-pointers at a 4-1 spot. Yeah, I like it. I think there's a couple ways to potentially go with that. As you said, a pace-up matchup. Everyone gets the opportunity to be able to do that a little bit more, so maybe we get to see him take advantage of that. Uh, Moving into the shooting guard side of things as well, I think there are a, a bunch of solid mid-tier options that really kind of piqued my interest as I was looking through here. They almost seem to be in a in a row as far as the uh, drafting salaries are concerned. So starting from the top on that, uh, Colin Sexton, who has you know not necessarily needed things to change around as far as you know the team's composition or team's injuries concerned. It was really just a matter of him finding his own rhythm, and we've started to really see that since the uh, since the year turned around. I mean, we were starting. Uh, to see his minutes be consistently in that high 20s to low 30s. But over the last little bit, he's fully just embraced that ability of jumping in and playing about 28 minutes and being able to rack up about a shot every two minutes in that time. So for him, it's whether he can get more of those ancillary stats coming on a more consistent basis. And to his credit, he's been averaging about six times a game since the uh, since the year turned into 2024. He's been uh, getting a couple of sneaky uh, steals as well, getting about, you know, I want to say one to two you know, on a consistent basis with the with the opportunity to be able to do you know, two out of uh, two and win one every you know, three or four games, which always ends up helping. But the biggest thing for him is how often he can find himself getting to the free throw line. And we know from his time in uh, in Cleveland that was pretty much his his go to, being able to rack up efficient scoring from the capability of just being a great slasher to the basket. And we're starting to see a lot of that come back to his game at a level that we had expected kind of early on in the season, given how Utah plays, how they are an up-tempo offense themselves. From a total standpoint, this game against the Pelicans is actually the uh, second highest as far as Vegas is concerned, sitting at 239. So I really do like his opportunity in both uh, cash and GPP to be able to continue on the streak he's been on, where he hasn't had a single game below uh, 34 DK points since uh, January 10th. So 12, uh, 12 straight days of very solid production three straight games now of 40-plus, uh, and I believe he has the capability to be able to continue that. And jumping back over to that 
a New York and uh, Brooklyn game over there. And this is, uh, again, taking a look at you know, the capability of someone to be able to just get hot enough to stay on the floor and uh, rack up enough points. And that's really what Cam Thomas has been about this entire season. It's, you know, if he can have a game where he's going to get those, those 21 shot attempts, usually if he can hit a couple of them early, he finds himself uh, with a couple more minutes on the floor because it's it's very much about whether that side of his production can kind of lead into everything else because ancillary stats aren't really his thing. You want him to be able to put up 20 real points and then he can usually get you a smattering of assist, assistant rebounds to go with that as well. So not necessarily the most... I want to say safe floor as far as as far as he's concerned because you're hoping to catch him on a hot night. But to his credit, he has uh, he has played pretty well in the uh, in the previous New York game that he had. Was able to play 32 minutes in that one, ended up with 32 DK points to go alongside that. And if he can, you know, continue to get about say 15 shots a game, which is uh, really what he's been averaging over the last five games over here, with really just that one Portland game being kind of the uh, outlier to all of that. I expect that he's in a uh, in a pretty good position to be able to continue that, and I think that same uh, same kind of mentality leads into my buddy Heald pick as well, who's uh, kind of benefited from uh, Siakam getting there in the last two games. We had seen, first of all, his minutes had really been on the downturn up until the last uh, last week and a half or so, where he really reclaimed uh, some of that uh, uh, some of that usage, some of those minutes, and now he's had three straight games where he's played 31 minutes or more, which is Obviously, really important for not only Indiana's offense because Buddy Heald still continues to be one of the best shooters from downtown in this league, but more so than that, with the Siakam now also being that extra piece inside the paint for them to be able to go ahead and create a little bit more and a gravity for himself there, it is giving Buddy Heald the opportunity to be able to get a lot more three-point shots up, and that's really what we've seen over the last two games since Siakam's arrived. He's got 19 three-point attempts in those games and has had a, he's hit 11 of those in that time. So really, I do like his opportunity in this matchup over here. I expect uh, Buddy Heald will get a lot more of those open threes and continue to take that. And then finally, just talking about the uh, cheap side of things before we uh, jump over to the other side, uh, we spoke about against the Lakers. I think Cam Reddish is going to be required to play anywhere between 25 to 28 minutes on here. He's sitting at 3,600. We know that he's never really been a beacon of offense and he's probably only going to end up shooting about eight to 10 times in the game itself. But just by virtue of being on the floor, he can sometimes be kind of sneakily good on, uh, on some of these ancillary stats. He's shown the ability to be able to rack up steals, for example, in a hurry. And if he can find himself in that kind of 25 to 28 minute role, he probably has a pretty safe floor of, uh, of anywhere between 18 to 20 with the capability to get into the thirties. Oh, nah, man, some solid picks. Um, I'm going a little bit different, um, but just like how you attack this um, Utah-New Orleans games first, I'm going to do that as well. And for my spend-up, I'm actually looking at Brandon Ingram against the Jazz. I really do like him in this spot. Um, I want to say in the month of January, he had the highest assist rate on his team. Might actually have the highest assist rate on his team for the whole entire season. But his production really been there. He's been a double-double machine for the past week. Um, want to say he had a crazy, want to say he had a triple double against Charlotte. He might've been a rebound short, but he, he had, um, pretty good game against Charlotte, pretty good game against Phoenix. His usage rate actually went higher in the month of January. And I really, really do like the type of basketball he's playing right now. Just wish he was able to do that for team USA. <laughs> um, 
but going up against the Jazz, they do give up a lot of assists. They give up a lot of points. So he should be in a nice little situation where he should get you a floor of 40 DraftKings points. Um, ceiling isn't that high. Ceiling is probably going to be about 50. Uh, won't be too crazy, but definitely a cash gameplay and could be using some GPPs as well. Going mid-tier, I'm actually not going to be saving too much on my mid-tier play. We was almost on the same wavelength, but I'm actually going to run with Jordan Clarkson. reason I'm running with Clarkson over Sutton is just due to the amount of threes that Clarkson put up compared to um, Sutton. Um, I want to say in the last game, he took 25 shots, and about 15 of those shots was three-pointers on Houston, who actually don't give up too many three-pointers to opponents. Um, going up against the Jazz, I mean, going up against the Pelicans, they do give up a higher end of three-point shots to opponents. I want to say for the month of January, it's been um, around 15 three-pointers made. And if Clarkson got the green light, I really do see a situation where he could put up 40 points. Actually, going off of today, if, you know, he was playing today, he might be able to put up 80 points um, after Cap put up 54 and a half. Um but for Sits 4, I really do see people fading him to play the cheaper sex in because he have a safer floor. But again, the amount of three-pointers he put up when you get the green light and a team who give up a lot of threes, I really do like Clarkson in this spot. Then going for my cheap play, I, I did like your play um, with Reddish, but I'm actually going to go with the opposite team. I'm going to go with my Clippers, actually pick up Terrence Mann for 3-9. I really do see a situation where he should have around 30 minutes. And again, with Terrence, man, you never know if he's going to decide to shoot the ball, if he's going to decide to rebound the ball. But he's going to be out there no matter what the score is. So if you need somebody in cash or GPP who will get you around 25, 30 minutes and a potential chance of getting you around 20 to 25 DK points, for 3-9 on a five-game slate, Terrence Mann would be the pick I would go with. I like it. I think uh, Terrence Mann would be your man was an easy opportunity missed over there, but I think we're right on the same wavelength <laughs> as far as Brandon Ingram was concerned because I was going to wait for him on the uh, small forward side of things just as you know that opportunity, just exactly what you said. He's not only been incredibly consistent, he's enjoyed this particular matchup, where he's um, absolutely killed it for the three games that he's already played against in the season. So just a great opportunity to be able to do that. And I uh, think I'm going to double down with you on there. But from a small forward situation in general, there's also the uh, Kawhi factor that I want to think about here as well. Now, I don't necessarily love the fact that he's uh, sitting at 8,600 in a matchup that the uh, Lakers are not going to have LeBron. So you're going to be kind of hoping that uh, the game could stay relatively close despite uh, despite all of that. And obviously that's going to depend on what Anthony Davis and, and the crew can go ahead and do on the other side. But uh, for Kawhi, he's particularly enjoyed that, that, that Battle of LA. Two straight games now where he's played 38 minutes in those games, has averaged 48 DK points in both of those. And that's with uh, without him really just doing anything out of this world as far as the stat line is concerned. Just very solid across the board from what we've been expecting. And for him, that's really you know, the the go-to as far as he's concerned there. So I'm sure you have thoughts on it as well. But uh, from a uh, cash game perspective, I think Kawhi is an excellent choice as far as the game is concerned. And he still does give you that little bit of upside as far as uh, the GPP side is concerned with the with the potential to be able to get close to 50 as far as his, uh, his uh, ceiling is concerned. 
uh, jumping down into the uh, the mid-tier side of things, and, and I feel like this uh, New York-Brooklyn uh, game just continues to be one that finds ways of uh, just intriguing me with some of these options. And it's interesting because from a total standpoint, it's actually sitting at the lowest of the night with 223.5. But from a spread standpoint, it's expected to be a, a game that's only uh, bettered by the uh, Nuggets and Pacers one in terms of how close it's expected to be. Just a uh, four-point spread at the moment with New York as the favorite. But on that note, at uh, at 5,600, Dante DiVincenzo continues to be a guy that I like taking a lot of nights as far as uh, New York itself is concerned. He's definitely more of a cash play than a GPP play, but he's just shown himself to have an incredibly solid floor. A guy who's going to be out on the floor for New York, just given his capability to be able to defend multiple positions. And given the type of offense that's coming from the uh, from the Brooklyn side, very guard-oriented, very much coming from the perimeter. I expect that DiVincenzo is going to be required quite heavily to be able to guard uh, a lot of those guys out there alongside OG. So you know, I'd say both of them are very much in that same kind of uh, price range, and both are, are guys that you can potentially consider. But with uh, DiVincenzo being $200 cheaper and uh, likely, in, in my opinion, to be in, in a position where he could potentially get a couple more shots, then OG, who's relied on a lot more for the uh, for the defensive side of things, I expect that I'll like uh, taking him a little bit more commonly there. And as a other side, just one more New York Brooklyn one, I, I'm going to be interested to see what uh, they end up deciding, assuming that Hartenstein is in fact out for this game, because I expect that it's either going to be you know Precious Achua getting the opportunity to get the minutes, or they're going to find themselves running a little bit more with Josh Hart who, again, in a similar kind of scenario as DiVincenzo can guard a lot of different positions, is a great rebounder for his position in general. He can often have him kind of get away with being played at the four and basically having him as that kind of release on, on the on the perimeter, especially in the corner. So not necessarily the highest upside of plays, but with his capability to be able to rack up seven, eight rebounds on a pretty regular basis, if he can even get anywhere between seven to eight shots, with most of them being from the three-point line, I expect that he has the uh, capability to be able to get close to 30 as far as his, uh, his ceiling is concerned. All right, so solid picks. Um... Not sure about the choir. Um, I'm actually going to be looking forward to what his um, PRA going to be coming in because uh, I might be playing the under. That might be mm. one of my favorite plays on the slate tomorrow. But for my spin up at the small forward position, I'm actually going to go with um, Markinen. I won't be playing him in lineups with um, Clarkson, but s- similar situation. Um, New Orleans give up a lot of three pointers. And if I don't think Clarkson's going to be hitting, Marketing will need to be hidden in order for this to be a close game. His floor is a little bit safer, upside's a little bit higher, but also price is also up at 8 1. And I do feel like on a five game slate, he should have less than um, 20% ownership. Going with my mid tier play, I'm actually going to do this more as a GPP play. I don't really see too many people being on him in this matchup due to a potential blowout. But Santa Clara, Jalen Williams for 6-7. Um, minutes been there. His usage rate actually went up in the month of January. And it just seemed like he became a more consistent player by being able to get to the line a little bit more than usual. Um, I don't see him getting to the line 10 times to get Portland, but he should be a little bit more aggressive, get you about 20 points. Um, again, one of my favorite props going into 
tomorrow is actually going to be um, Williams points if we get it at um, 18.5. Definitely going to be taking the over on that. Then when it comes to the cheapy play, there's a few routes I was thinking about going. Um, but I just told myself, you know, I do like this matchup. I'm just going to continue to attack it. And that's going to be going back to the Utah-New Orleans matchup. This time I'm going to pick up Dyson Daniels as a GPP play. Minutes been everywhere throughout the season. But one thing I do know is he's a great basketball player when he's on the floor. Um, coach do like him, even though the minutes is a showing. And I do feel like this is going to be one of these like 1% ownerships where you might actually be able to um, get 20 to 30 DK points out of him if he actually get the minutes in the green light. Again, this could be a dud because, you know, these 2% and lower plays just going to either be hit or miss. He could just be on the floor for 12 minutes and get you five fantasy points. So definitely only a GPP play. Um, outside of that, that's all I'm running in a small forward position. I like it. Don't want to be uh, left dying wondering as far as uh, some of these plays are concerned, especially, as I said, in a five-game slate, there's just those little margins of uh, of difference that can be if you can get those low ownership guys to be the ones to really outsize uh, their performance versus their price. That's really going to be all the difference that you're looking at. On the power forward side of things, that's actually where I'm looking a lot of because, I mean, technically, Anthony Davis is also a power forward, but I'm probably looking at him as a center, and I'll, and I'll talk a little bit more towards him at that. But on the kind of low value tier side of things, and I've kind of already alluded to this a little bit earlier, is you know if we're gonna find out what's uh, what's happening with Hartenstein, it's likely gonna be Precious Achua is gonna get the opportunity to be able to start. Now, as a Toronto fan, you you should already know that Precious Achua is the ultimate in Jekyll or Hyde. If you can get a good game out of him where his offense is going, he's got good energy, then all of a sudden he looks like he should be. A million bucks out there and he could probably end up giving you a mid to high 30s performance as he did against uh, against that toronto it's called i don't even know if you call it a revenge game but it just is what it was in 25 minutes was able to rack up 18 and 11 and ended up with 33 dk points there but he could very well have the other side of it where he might play you know 18 to 20 minutes but just look absolutely disengaged so definitely a gpp play more than anything else but 4200 is a Pretty good price tag for a guy who could potentially be starting coming into this game. So, you know, in a matchup where Brooklyn's not necessarily just loaded with size up at the front, I mean, Claxton is there, but, you know, he's also a bit of a kind of a tweener as far as pure size is concerned. So, Achua should be able to handle uh, a matchup of that sort if he can get himself going. So, for 4,200, I do like him. At the other, uh, other end of that, going back to the Battle of LA, I'm looking at Rui Hachimura over here, where you know, we already got the opportunity to see him uh, start against Portland and lay an absolute dud. But the good thing is that he's sitting at uh, 3,700 over here. So should be in a position to be able to get anywhere between 24 to 28 minutes, depending on how he's playing. He is going to be you know, sharing some of those minutes with uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who's at the same uh, the same price tag as him. But you know, between the two, uh, Hachimura is the better offensive player, is the one who has kind of shown the capability to be able to get uh, buckets if he can get himself uh, going uh, going relatively early so i'm expecting with uh, with lebron out that we could see him get somewhere into the uh, low double digits as far as shot attempts are concerned and with all of the 
uh, focus and all the defensive pressure put on Anthony Davis, we could see Hachimura be the uh, the beneficiary of that on the uh, on the offensive side. And then finally, uh, going back up to uh, a little bit more of a uh, of an expensive pick over here, and really this is, you know, I don't necessarily love the taking him in general just because he can be very much boomer bust, and that is Jeremy Grant. We got to see kind of the good side of him in that Indiana matchup where. He ended up racking up, you know, 28 shots. The last two games at that point actually had him shooting over 50% there and putting up 30-plus real points. But the worry for me with him is always the lack of ancillary stats. And given the fact that his price tag is sitting at kind of the level that it is at 7,100, I would potentially want something a little bit more with a little bit more consistency when I'm paying that. But the thing is, he's likely going to have lower ownership just given the amount of other options that we're seeing kind of in that price tag. You spoke about Ingram being about $500 more. So he's a bit of a contrarian pick and someone that you could potentially toss into a GPP. And if you happen to catch him on a, on one of his uh, good nights, which, you know, potentially in this one where he's going to be up against, okay, see likely to try and be a little bit more on the perimeter to not have to keep going in on your potential rookie of the year. I think this could be an opportunity for him to have a, a decent night if his shot is going as you're hoping it has been for the last uh, three games. No, definitely um, some solid picks. Um, I'm going to be running the power forward situation a little differently. Um, my spend up actually going to be uh, Julius Randle against Brooklyn. I, I really do feel like um, whenever some players go up against some teams, you're always like, man, this is a potential of a great game or a horrible game. And this kind of been um, Randall against um, Brooklyn. I want to say he actually has three of his triple doubles against Brooklyn. So if you're looking for an upside at eight sets on a five-game slate, you, you could have a potential 65-point draft key night out of Julius Randall for eight sets on a five-game slate where a lot of people will be loading up on AD. I think that's something that can actually turn the slate for you. So that's definitely going to be my GPP play. And honestly, if you want to run in cash, I don't see nothing wrong with it as well because his floor should be around 35 DraftKings points. So you could get away with it on this price tag. Going mid-tier, kind of had problems with this one due to both players being questionable. So I'm just going to list both. Um, So if one is out, any of the starting forwards on Denver. Um, either Porter for 6-5 or Gordon for 5-9. I really do like them in this paced-up matchup um, situation where they could put up 20 actual points. More so for Porter, but Gordon had potential to put up 20 actual points in the paced-up matchup as well against Indiana. And for their price tag, they could put up 30 DraftKings points. So... Anytime I could get six five or five nine to have a almost a floor of thirty DraftKings points, twenty five DraftKings points, I'm I'm fine running down on a five game slate. So that's you know more so cash. Could also run into GPP if you like. Um, when it comes to my cheapy play, this one is um going back to I guess this is my favorite matchup on the slate. Uh, going back to Utah New Orleans man, uh, Fonteco. Gonna run him if I'm not running Marketing, if I'm not running Clarkson, I'm gonna go with the European. 
the other European on the team. Again, just like Marketer, just like Clarkson, he's somebody who do put up a good amount of three-pointed attempts when he's on the floor. And again, New Orleans give up a lot of three-pointers to teams. So if he's getting 30 minutes, I'm not running Marketing. I'm not running Clarkson. I'm spending three sits on the power forward position and just locking him in and GPPs. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and I like what you said about uh, Randall. He was kind of on my slate of thoughts for a while over there as well. And he says coming off a triple-double, he can have those kind of nights, and he's always going to be locked into his minutes, even if he's necessarily not having the uh, greatest of nights just from a pure offensive perspective. He usually finds a way to get himself involved. So definitely someone who I had on my thoughts, again, as, as a center side of things, because really this is where, to me, there's a couple of opportunities for you to you know, take the fact that we've got all these kind of mid-tier, value-tier options in the uh, guard and, and small forward positions so that you could think about whether you want to take a Jokic or an Anthony Davis over here. You know, I'm not going to spend uh, too, too much time talking about either or because it's pretty clear uh, they both have the opportunity to be able to do what they do. And uh, for Jokic's perspective, I mean, he's been on an absolute just, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if you can call it a tear anymore, but he hasn't had a single game shooting below 55% at this point for what is all the way since Christmas Day, while basically averaging about uh, 12 rebounds over the last uh, over the last week and a half, about 10 assists in that time as well. And so just in a just amazing scenario where he just continues to be just absolutely dominant. So it just comes down to how well the Indiana Pacers can uh, go ahead and uh, keep uh, keep pace with the Denver Nuggets over here at a home game. Now, we do know that uh, that Halliburton is questionable for this game, so that's definitely something that I'm keeping an eye out on there because I'd be much more inclined to uh, spend up uh, potentially on Jokic knowing that uh, Halliburton is going to be there on the other side to try and keep this game as close as possible because we really do want Jokic playing his uh, full allotment of 36 to 38 minutes for them. On the other side, really just looking at the bottom end of the value tier and going into the uh, into the mid-tier as well, I'm going to start with, I mean, you mentioned so much of the New Orleans and Utah, I feel like I'm inclined to at least mention one in there, which is uh, Walker Kessler, who at 5,000 uh, as a pure center really doesn't necessarily need to be putting up uh, big shot attempts, and he absolutely doesn't. He's going to be anywhere between four to five field goal attempts. But what you always know you have with him is just sky-high blocks upside, which really does make him a little bit more of a GVP play than, than Cash, just given the fact that, I mean, technically it's a bit of a lottery slot, but given the fact that uh, Walker Kessler has now gotten about, uh, 13 blocks over the last uh, three games at this point, while also averaging about eight rebounds in that time, I, I feel pretty good that he can get himself at least in a decent enough spot, given his 5,000 salary, to be able to pay off that price tag getting around 25 DK points as a pretty relatively safe floor while still giving you the upside of getting into the, uh, into the mid to high thirties. If he can kind of rack that up with a, with a couple more uh, field goal attempts and, and find himself into that uh, double digit scoring, which he was doing a lot more regularly in, in December. And the good thing is that his minutes are actually trending up in the right direction. I mean, we've kind of seen him be on a bit of a roller coaster ride throughout the season, but it's clear that Utah has their best uh, defensive stances whenever he is on the floor. And for him to be at least playing that 24 to 25 minutes rather than the you know, 18 to 20 that we were seeing slightly earlier in uh, in, Dece- in the end of December leading into the earlier start parts of January. I think that's a, that's a positive trend that I'm hoping to see continue on there. 
And then the other uh, value pick that I'm looking at is really uh, going back to that uh, Battle of LA with, we know that Zubac is out for at least uh, at least a couple of weeks. I think they said uh, four weeks is when he's going to get reevaluated when the report came out last week there. So it's been uh, Mason Plumlee's gotten the opportunity to jump in uh, as a starter. Hasn't necessarily been playing big minutes on there, but it really just comes down to who the opposing matchup is. And we saw that in the OKC game with Chet Holmgren on the other end. He got the opportunity to play 28 minutes in that one. Brooklyn, who does run a little bit smaller, played 15. So with uh, with Anthony Davis being the primary offensive focus as far as the Lakers are going to be concerned with the absence of LeBron, I expect that we're going to see him somewhere closer to that kind of mid to high 20s rather than the uh, the teens that we've been seeing so far. So, you know, given given that, we kind of know what Mason Plumlee has the capability of doing, a bit of a kind of contributor across the board in stats in different ways, a pretty decent passer for a big man as well. And it just comes down to whether he can uh, keep himself on the floor and out of foul trouble when going up against Anthony Davis. And I think he could end up with a, a pretty good night somewhere in the uh, 25 to a 30 DK point range. All right. All right. Those are solid picks. Um, I'm actually just going to copy your little um, spin up. Um, nothing, nothing more you can really say about Jokic for 11-2 cast game GPP. I really don't see why he's not just a plug-and-play. Um, definitely going to have a lot of ownership. Definitely going to be chalk, but chalk for the right reason. A player who can get 24 minutes and get you 50 DraftKings points is something that I will not try to fade. I'm just going to play the chalk. Um, moving on, going mid-tier. I'm going to... Going to go with a little GPP play, somebody who wasn't playing the best basketball, somebody who got frozen out of a game a couple nights ago, and that's um, DeAndre Aiden. I really do feel like this is going to be low ownership, um, but in a potential 30-minute spot, I really could see DeAndre give you a double-double at 6-3. Um, don't really see too much of an upside over... Maybe 40, 45 DraftKings points. But for 6-3, low ownership, definitely going to try that in my GPPs. Um, for the cheapy plays, there was a few routes you can go. But I'm going to go with somebody who I feel like will be pretty chot. And that's um, Christian Wood for 3-4. I really do feel like this is a potential 25, 30-minute spot for him. And he could actually get you a double-double in this situation at 3-4. Uh, going up against the Clippers, I really do feel like Lakers will be running a limited roster. I don't see Davis getting the full amount of minutes, um, even though he's going to be pretty chalked. Could see this game getting out of hand, and if the game gets out of hand, um, Woods should still play minutes. Really don't see him um, saving any minutes. Um, if you want to be risky, you could just pivot to Jackson Hayes, but I'm going to be playing um, Wood in GPPs and cash. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Christian Wood, actually, just good thing that you reminded me because I feel like I put him in and then he just slipped under my radar. So, yeah, he's definitely someone that I'll have some good interest in as well, just given what the Lakers are doing. But, you know, we're sitting at about 40 minutes here. Clearly a lot to potentially think about when it comes to these uh, different GPP slates and really different games in terms of where it is that you're going to find yourself attacking. So, you know, as always, give us your thoughts on really how it is that you are trying to break down a slate like this. Who are your spend-ups? Who are your value picks? Talk to us on uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can reach me, as always, at HK underscore devil, where 
you, know, you can always find me kind of talking about uh, kind of what's, what's happening on any given night. Just love watching any, any and all NBA games that I can. So, yeah, that's where you can get me. Where did the people find you, Ken? Yeah, if you want, you can find me at OrangeDFS on Twitter. I'm always talking about all levels of basketball from NBA to NCAA to Yale League to NBL. Always talking about basketball. Got a nice little um, slate coming up on Thursday for Euro League. Um, Had some nice matchups from NCAA women's with um, UCLA playing tonight. And um, yeah, hit me up. All right. Love it. Well, that's uh, that's going to be it for us. I'm going to be coming back tomorrow with uh, with Ramiz as we take down a, a bigger slate that's coming in on Wednesday. But Anyway, everyone enjoy your uh, Tuesday night and let's take down some GPPs. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.